0: All right, ATP podcast episode five. Been back after a little break, trying to get some guests nailed down. Uh, today, first reoccurring guest, Drake Eaton. Uh, Drake, thanks for coming on again. Appreciate your time. Always a pleasure. I enjoyed the first one tremendously. Yeah, and uh, it was it was a good one. Um, so the reason having you back on is I felt like I. We had a good two-hour conversation, but uh, I do want to get more in, in the mind of you as a trainer, and so my thought with this episode is to take it more in that direction, and we'll just begin with, you You just told me, talking about how you've been in this for eight years now, and uh, so why don't you, you know, kind of give people just a little bit of the backstory, what brought you into it, and what are some like highlights along the way that kind of define what you see as your career as a trainer? Absolutely.
1: Well, I started... I got into this stuff much earlier than most. Uh, to put it plainly, I kind of actually left sports for training, oh, wow. which is probably a rare statement. Um,
0: Why don't you preface it to tell everyone how old you are? So I'm so 25,
1: can, yeah. um, I'm closer to 26 now, which is kind of crazy to think about. But uh, so I got started getting into this stuff heavily when I was around um, 16, 16, 17 region, and to specifically fitness as its own goal and its own interest, not only related to sports or something similar to that okay so i did i did plenty of sports obviously growing up a tremendous amount I wrestled for eight or nine years total throughout my life, verging from five all the way through you know late high school but um played plenty of other sports and then got into martial arts and I was had a lot of different interests but around the time I was uh, sixteen. I actually got a trainer through my mother who she traded somebody out for some dance lessons. She has a huge background in the the, uh, fitness and dance industry herself. So um, I started getting into the idea of bodybuilding specifically at that time, weight training for its own sake rather than training for wrestling or football or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it pretty quickly dominated my interest to where I even quit doing the karate I'd been doing for years and the wrestling and stuff like that. And I realized I really enjoyed the process so much because it was such an obvious act of creation yeah I was creating myself in the moment like every everything I did had an immediate reciprocation in the way I looked at that time that was my predominant interest as it is for a lot of people and um, that kind of took me down the road of hey I want to pursue this for myself wholeheartedly but I also really want to maybe make this a profession or something I go into rather than say having those aimless years in the earlier 20s which is totally understandable I knew in my teens what I wanted to do so I started training with with my original trainer, who was a, a figure competitor, a woman, actually, and uh, then I moved from there into Jimbo, a local bodybuilder, and he trained me for a little while, and at that time, I decided, okay, now I am going to become a trainer, so... Um, I used some money I'd actually inherited from uh, my grandfather and I got my, I paid for my NASM certification and started studying before I was even old enough to technically become a certified trainer. So I was (laughs) studying for the test at 17 really hard, really heavily and loving it because I liked the the deeper science behind it, which is what came with the NASM, which I loved. And uh, I started actually interning at a a Fitworks at a corporate gym when I was 17 before I was allowed to actually start training people. So that way... Literally within the week of turning 18, I went and took my test, got my certification and started training people that same week I turned 18. I so I works. was, yeah, I literally okay. left high, I literally left um, high school, which I got out earlier than other kids because I got all my credits junior year to graduate. But I just chose to stick around because I was actually taking multiple bells of strength training to help learn before I started oh, wow. training people professionally. Yeah. So I was training um, I was training some of the special needs kids actually or helping them was going through some of the machines. I was just helping the teacher in general kind of show kids how to how to lift and and try to keep them actually focused on the goal in hand for strength training class, which led me into leaving high school, like I said, that last half of my senior year. And I remember rushing from school, getting out early, but rushing from school to the gym to meet my first client. Um, and it was a nerve-wracking experience. And that first day training people, I actually had a couple guys that were recent immigrants to the United States who I had to really work hard to try to get these principles across to them. And that was a nice way to break me in. And a couple guys that were, like, younger as well, high school kids that I was training and I was technically in high school. Yeah. So that was pretty funny that first day. Um, and And I really... I loved it because it it broke me out of my shell. It forced me to really learn not only the skills involved with weight training and fitness, but social interaction heavily and really early on. And that benefited me tremendously moving on in life. But long story short, that got me into training. And I haven't stopped from there. I've delved into all kinds of different things. Um, I did my first competitive bodybuilding show when I was 19. Natural show. I loved it. Um... And I did some more after that. And then I also got into powerlifting pretty early on through a group of guys who got, to live, got together and actually lifted in a basement that I met through that Fitworks I was working at. Okay. And that got me into powerlifting around 20, actually, in 19 is when I got into it. And I competed for the first time in SPF Nationals when I was 20. And uh, I started going down that road from there, kind of mixing the two together. And yeah. That's why power building has really been my passion since then, because yeah. it's a combination of the two sports I actually pursued and then uh i even dabbled in other things from there that i had an interest in i did a little bit of crossfit i competed in the open just to have an actual taste of what that really was rather than having this this distance based perspective and then mm-hmm. having all these judgments of something you've never tried yeah. which i see i hear and see all the time and i'm i'm a i'm a culprit of that myself of course like most people are but it forced me to actually learn about things i didn't know and i dabbled in that for a while when i was living in mexico
0: and um Oh, really? So that that was just a couple years ago. Yeah, that was was just two years ago. That was my first CrossFit
1: experience. experience. I just did it for like eight months and competed in the Open. And then I actually started training with a regionals team. It had I stayed in Mexico, we would have gone and done a, a regionals as a team okay. the following year, which is what we were training for. Yeah. Um, and that was very difficult. That was coming from, a, at that time, only I'd only been doing powerlifting right before that, and that pushed my limit, to say the least. Yeah. But yeah. the biggest thing that I've also appreciated beyond my own fitness pursuits is just how many people... Over the years now, I'm, I'm ballparking, but I have no doubt that I've trained a thousand people, maybe more oh, I don't wow. know since I started in terms of whether it be one session with somebody all the way through people I've trained for years. but cumulatively I've trained in you know, I've trained in multiple corporate gyms. I've trained in my own training studio at my home. Um, I've trained people in home, uh, many, many people in home. Um, and I've trained people at like local, like, you know, club, like the, the club. I was the clubhouse of the community. I lived in New Mexico. I was still paying my rent in Mexico training people. Okay. Um, so it's always been what I've done. I've had side jobs, you know, the stereotypical kind of side jobs like security or bouncing, or I worked Mm -hmm. in an auto body shop for a little bit or stuff like that. But my main pursuit and main profession has always been training people.
0: Okay. And you're at a point now where that's your full time. right? Yeah. That's all
1: I do. I train people and I do programming or coaching. Yeah. So yeah, that's about I maybe that 20, 20 25% the exactly is the, is the distance coaching programming and then 75% 80% is is training people in person on a regular basis.
0: Okay. So what um, you said yourself you got into fitness more on the uh, you know, bodybuilding, powerlifting type stuff. What is most of your clientele been? Is there a trend if any actually? Oh, for
1: uh, there's over the years the trend would be harder to distinguish. It's come to a point now where I'm I'm very I'm very blessed to say and I love working with everybody. I am blessed to say that a large portion of my active clientele right now are people who are of genuinely above average fitness to the degree to where if they really put the time in they themselves could probably be trainers. Yeah. So that feels very good. I've got a lot of people who are incredibly capable who actively compete in one thing or another or, okay. very, or very well could with a couple months notice. Yeah. Um, that's, I'm very blessed or have competed in, in things in the past, be that athletics, you know, bodybuilding or physique of some kind or strength sports, kind of all the way the full gamut there, or even martial arts. Um, but I also currently, and I'm and just as happy to work with people who are general fitness, who are just coming in looking to look better, feel better, the stereo, you know, the, the, the general pursuit. Exactly. Yeah. Be healthier, move more. Um, but you would say predominantly, at least right now? Predominantly right now. Yeah. Some some kind or another, or people that have in the past and are now just maintaining Not even, that degree. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Like compared to just that type A, yeah. you know, like Absolutely. get after it. Absolutely. Like, and I
1: love that. Yeah. I love working with people who are. You know, yes, can I provide motivation to people who maybe don't have as much as they need yet Mm -hmm. to get them to that point where they can? Absolutely. Do I have people I'm taking on right now who are coming in and just say, hey, Drake, I can't even stick with you for a long time on my budget. I just want you to give me, say, a month or two of training. Show me how it works and then let me go with the the workout program and some nutritional tips. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, I work with those people, too, and I love working with those people. but yeah, I am, I'm very lucky to say that a lot of the people I work with, I can actually really put through difficult, complex workouts and know that they're going to be totally fine and, and benefit from it rather than being over the top for them.
0: I got you. Uh, so what else have, have you dealt with then in the past? So
1: over the years, I mean, obviously starting at Fitworks, it was a huge demographic of general fitness. Okay. Um, I, they put a lot of the, the general fitness people with me. I'd say honestly back then, I, I remember saying this pretty often back when I was working there that... The vast quantity of professions I tend to have trained back then was nurses and teachers. And uh, I'd say back then when I was working at corporate gyms, um, I'd say anywhere, and I'm ball, I'm guessing here, but anywhere yeah. from 60 to 80% of the people I trained any given month were women. Okay. And I'd say about 60 to 80% of them were of a, of a age bracket, say, in the later 20s through the early 40s Okay. Yeah. And, and had jobs similar with nurses, teachers, things similar to that. Yeah. Um, or they may, they may be, um, just taking care of children being housewives or whatever it may be, but, but similar demographic and just looking to get in better shape.
0: Okay.
1: Um, and I loved that. I absolutely did. Back then I didn't train nearly as many men. Uh, I didn't train nearly as many competitors or things like that. But as I continued to grow in my own fitness pursuits, as I competed more, as I pushed myself further and harder along my own path. Um, I found that I picked up more and more people that had a, a more serious, dedicated interest in in becoming all that they could be, mm-hmm. not just good enough, per se.
0: I get you. What about any experience with a few
1: athletes? Um, it's not something that I like to claim any degree of real expertise in, um, in terms of relation to sport-specific training. Okay. Um, I do hold a personal opinion that I believe general, uh, to pull a Louis term out here, but general physical preparedness, um, general physical ability, strength, yeah. speed, things that are very f- uh, fundamental or foundation foundations, I think, are... More important than the specific training, especially
0: the younger the athlete Oh, I gets. agree. Um, I, I always think of it as like the, the pyramid. Exactly. That's, that, that's below the specific. You can't get to the specific without yeah. the general.
1: But I think I recall you actually... Putting something specific out there. That was the CrossFit
0: the, yeah. one, which I, I really liked. Oh, okay. Liked, yeah. You base. shared that. Yeah. It was like, they, well, they said they wanted sleep first, but that was what they were going to add. Then nutrition, then like metabolic conditioning, then calisthenics. And then, and like, the second to last one was not, it, they didn't even call it weightlifting. Uh, maybe they did say weightlifting, but in their terms, not even like Olympic lifting yet, but like strength training. Strength training general yeah. with weights. And then the very top was weightlifting or the sport. Like that the sport. was Yeah. And I, I always liked that model. I hold so that same
1: opinion what you there. Say, yeah. That 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 model for me is, is what holds it holds it together. And I found that personally to be true. Now every person is different and inherent degrees of athleticism are probably the largest distinguishing factor with an athlete. Mm-hmm. Do I think that is nature or nurture I think it's 100% nature. Yeah. I think there are a lot of things that you will just never train, you know, and this is very counter to the culture we live in that endorses that so you can always outwork talent. I don't believe that. No. Not um, always. <laughs> I don't believe you can outwork talent. I think you can sometimes and yeah. if you get lucky on top of it, um I think talent oftentimes outworks hard work, especially when it comes to very specific kinds of uh sports or abilities. Yeah. You know. Um, yes, especially and, with something like football for example if you don't have the frame you're not going to be a pro football right. player and that is what it is you know right. those inherent degrees of you know and and this is nothing this is nothing incredible but i i know that When I, the first time I ever ran a 40 when I was like 12 or 13, I ran under five seconds. Yeah. And sure, am I much better than that now? No, but I know guys who are still striving to run under five second 40s into their 20s who have been training for it for many, many years, and I was 12. So my point is that I'm not putting, I think hard work still is an absolute if you ever want to get to the top of anything. I'm not saying that you don't need, you know, that's work ethic and discipline is paramount to any pursuit in life. But I think, um, developing base levels of strength that are accommod- accommodated by your inherent athleticism, of course, is, is number one. So all I've really, all I'm saying is, when I have worked with athletes, since I am not an expert in any given sport, mm-hmm. um, with the exception of some of the niche things I personally pursue, say, you know, I'm, I'm pretty knowledgeable about powerlifting or something of that nature, yeah. but. When it comes to the general sports we're talking about, when I take on an athlete, I tell them up front, hey, I'm going to, my goal here is to make you bigger, stronger, faster. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to pretend to say that I'm going to know how to make you a better, throw a baseball better through this super special exercise right. or anything like that. Um, I just don't have that knowledge set. So it's never been a big goal of mine to train athletes because mm-hmm. I think outside of developing their base level of ability, I just don't have that knowledge, expertise, or extreme interest in that, um, but I do, I do like working with them. My, probably my favorite, my favorite thing to work with, though, to this day, is, uh, is really people who come in and say, hey, I want to become incredible and very impressive, be that in ability or appearance, and I think those are often synonymous with each other, mm-hmm. um, for its own sake. Yeah, that's what I like the most. When they're not doing it because they want to go to the Olympics, but doing or, cool things just for the sake of it. I'm all about that. If yeah. there's one thing I'm about in life, is that when someone says, "Why are you doing this?" Because I am.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't because need. Because I want to. I don't need some drawn-out reason that involves a trophy or money or anything like that to want to do impressive things or things that are challenging or difficult. And I think a lot of that comes back to, in my mind, a lot of what we're doing in here, as much as it is great, it's good for our health, we could create a a long list, that's why we do this. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we're doing it for, it's like symbolic, It's, it's it's also symbolic, you know anything else being huge is symbolic of discipline it's not just being you know being huge is being huge or being strong is being strong but that's symbolic of a tremendous amount of work and character put into achieving that
0: now as a trainer how do you balance that goal with also because i i think it's important to no matter doing things doing awesome things you want to do it but also not at the sacrifice of your health either. I mean, yeah. I mean, doing doing things. Like, I mean, I played rugby for years, which is you know can be horrible to your body if you you yeah. know not doing it right and other it's things. A great like example, that. man. Right but, yours
1: is a great example. But yeah. it's
0: like you know, how do you balance that line of? I want to do this awesome thing, but I also would like to not have two knee surgeries and right. two shoulder surgeries. Right. Oh no, no, totally, yeah. totally. Yeah.
1: Well, one thing, and and this is not to be the devil's advocate to your question, but one yeah. thing I always respond to. Um, when, for example, and you see this a lot of times, a lot of times I think it's actually coming from a, a slight sense of, of insecurity or envy when an older guy sees a younger guy lifting a lot of weight and they'll mm-hmm. say, be careful on yourself. You don't want to end up like me or, or something like that. Um, my typical response is you'd end up like that whether you did this or not. You can either end up with a bad back and bad knees from doing nothing, or you mm-hmm. can end up with a bad back and bad knees from doing something. Yeah. If the, I know that sounds kind of odd and abrasive, but... That's the way I look at it. It's like, you you know, doing less isn't going to keep you healthy. So, yes, do you need to find that balance? Do you need to make sure you know when to pull the reins in? Of course, obviously. And you want to train smart, et cetera. All the yeah. things that I think are common knowledge, becoming more and more common knowledge today. But at the end of the day or at the end of the life, we are all going to die. Yeah. And to be not to be macabre there or dark, but we are. So if you're not willing to burn that fire bright while you're here, even at the sacrifice, maybe of some comforts in your life, or even even a couple years. <laughs> I mean, I don't know even what to say about it. Then right. you know, it's a, you're not gonna live. You know, you're not gonna live forever. I mean, you could live 500 years, and the same principle would apply as living 50.
0: No, I get you. So I... that
1: kind of mentality. Now, of course. Do you want to keep doing those cool things? That's, that's of the. Of course thing. That's you do, and that's why about, you yeah. don't want to burn the rope on both ends. And how do you yeah.
0: how do you best approach that? Or do you find a lot because you said you deal with the Type A people and the people that want to yeah. get after it? Oh
1: God, yeah. Do you, you find got a lot
0: problem. that you have to be their voice of reason, like, yes. "Hey, man, we're not going to go up in this, or yes. we're we're going to take today off," you know?
1: Just like I have to do that for myself. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah, you right. know how stuff. I am, and uh, you uh, know me on a weekly basis. Yeah. my hardest client. Yeah. I'm 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 tough like that with myself, but I'm better with the clients doing that um, I, it's why I mean even when, whether we're talking clients I see all the time and do all their workouts for them with them or people I program etc I'm very big on making sure that they draw back I've found one of the most effective ways to do that is a variation of stimuli mm-hmm. make sure that their goals vary yeah. and even if that's within the same general goal that variation is vital to make sure that they're not you know, ultimately leading themselves down a road of tearing a given tendon, yeah. or burning themselves out psychologically, or whatever, getting a hernia from the same movement done cor- incorrectly. Really just that that aim of, hey, you know, rather than, rather than almost tricking them into saying, rather than drawing them back, convincing them they want to do something do else a for a week yeah. before they go do something I've, heavy uh, again.
0: I've heard the, the phrase that periodization is designed so that the training doesn't get in the way. Yes. And, and I'm not even, it like, doesn't matter, it could be undulating, linear, whatever you wanna do, but the changing of stimuli, as you put it, is like, yep. you do too, one thing too much too long, you're probably gonna get sloppy with it, it's probably yeah. gonna be bad for you, yeah. Yeah, and
1: you're a great example of that, because I see you doing it all the time. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, you're always, and that's, that's why, and that's also- Wait, wait, you, know, you
0: always see me- <laughs> Changing things up. Oh, okay. Changing I'm things up. No, you're not burning, burning out. out. You
1: just burn out, I feel like, for the first time recently <laughs> watching you. It seems like that was the first yeah. time you felt that way, and that's just from a third person. Yeah. But um I definitely think that and that is one reason, you know, and I, I'm really I've even lost this tremendous goal of, you know, I being some you know, competing in powerlifting a thousand more times. I've done a lot of that, but you know it's not about competition so much for me anymore, or short term, short term gain. I enjoy what I'm doing for its own sake, like we just mm-hmm. mentioned already. But um, I have found, on the note, if we're going to get into more specific training methodologies. Do I adhere to? A, I said this in the last podcast a little bit. Do I adhere, adhere to a specific West Side Conjugate or anything like that? No, I've read a lot of the books. I love it. I appreciate it, but I do find that in the past, in the past. Verging on two years I just mentioned this last week I have done Max effort movements And I mean Max effort singles Usually failing too Mm -hmm. Every week Twice a week For going on two years With very Very few Although necessary at time Deload weeks And I have not even got a tweak Yeah In that year and a half I've got burnout a couple times. I take a, I could take a week or two off. Yeah. But that variation, that's why I'm able to do that. I really whole. I fully and wholeheartedly support that methodology because for me it's worked. And in that period of time, I also have taken. Let's say my goal. You know, my deadlift. At the time, I wasn't pulling 600 before I started, and since I started, I've pulled 665. Yeah. You know, it's a over. What is it? That's a. It's a, about, a, let's say about a hundred pound addition, not doing the same movement over and over again. And I found oftentimes, you know, the other, not too long ago, I took five, six weeks. I didn't deadlift a single time. I didn't even do technique work, et cetera. And now, of course, I've developed a, a neuromuscular pattern to right. where I don't need to. I wouldn't do this with someone who's only been lifting a year or two, Okay, good point. but I can come back and do something that I had, you know, had only done for one or two reps and hit it for eight or nine. Yeah. And that's kind of getting people away from that, this obsession. And that's one thing I have to do with some of these really type A hardcore clients I have is remind them that, hey, you do not have to do the same movement over and over again to stay proficient at it. Right. You can do other things. Back to the general idea, right? You know, you can do other things, you know, and that, that applies to everything. I don't even, you know, that's bodybuilding, powerlifting, athletics. Mm-hmm. You don't have to always do the same kind of squat or the same kind of, it could, the list could go on. Do anything you're doing well with decent biomechanics and uh, an appropriate amount of intensity, whatever that may be. Yeah. You're going to succeed. You're going to get results and you're going to come back to things you did in the past and do them probably better.
0: Right. Now, that kind of segues me, though. At what point, though, is it at that you know? At what point in someone, someone's fitness journey, is that more the case? So then, where at least, at least for beginners, I I feel like you do need to repeat a lot of things that's because you need to yeah. ingrain yeah. the motor patterns. I think it's beginners teaching, are a whole learning. other bracket. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. they um, need to do stuff over and over again. Yeah. You know, I think that's true. I couldn't disagree. With, I couldn't disagree with that.
0: No. That the the only two times I really I really follow that. Almost linear periodization for yes. myself, which is learning repetition. something new because I need to hammer it down, or in prep of something because yeah. at that point yeah. it's just a what is what am I going to be the most efficient at and yes. what do I already know? Can I yes. get this done? Because I'm training. If I, for me it was you know prep for rugby, so if it was leading up to season or if it was in season, it was pretty repetitive because it was just like I need to get in, and get out. I know what I'm doing that's for the, the game. Yeah, for the exactly. actual game. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think I think that a lot of it comes down to are you it, are you going to be judged, whether that be a sports game, a physique show well, but actually, I take the physique show out there That's that 's a little more general still, but if, if in terms of performance, mm-hmm. are you going to be judged or test yourself in the specific way in the near future? You probably do want to dial in on that specific skill, just mm-hmm. like in powerlifting you know right. using the cues you know i 'm not although I have and actually did decently well, but i 'm not going to be Doing a random, extremely varied specialty bar squat variation right. two when, weeks out you're from peaking, a meet,
0: you pretty much stick with yes. the squat, the bench, yeah, and the exactly. deadlift. exactly. And I'm going to have
1: those cues too. And I'm going to use it. the yeah. same equipment, and I'm going to use the same tempo, and I'm going to etc. Um, and I think that's very true. Uh, and the thing is, though, that that ultimately, very few people I'm ever going to train, and very few times in my own life, is that going to be the case? Yeah. No. So when, when that is the case, I definitely get a little more specific and repetitive, but um, for sure, ultimately, I think you're, I think you're right. The biggest The biggest place I see repetition as a necessity in training is with people who are beginners. Yeah. If they are not, Extremely conditioned. If they don't have a very good body awareness or awareness of self in general Mm -hmm. um, in relation to what they're trying to achieve, then they probably do need to do the same thing over and over again. And also, on the note of variation, though, I don't think you need any of these special, fancy, complex stuff that's out there by any means, even if you're at a high level. You could do variation. Exactly. Variation can be in the same movement with slight, you know, it's just variation is variation. You know, it can be great, it could be complex and over the top, or it could be. Pretty pretty cut and dry bread and butter yeah but um i do I, I am a strong proponent, I have a strong strong belief in variation in training and in life for that matter because Even in you know, uh, diverging a little bit, taking this taking the same trip to work every day is not as beneficial as taking multiple trips to work every day. You're creating new neural pathways. You're you know you're doing something new every time. You're having a new experience. And yeah, nothing's the same twice. But actively trying to make the things in your life a little bit different for the sake of a broader perspective and a greater depth, greater greater breadth of learning, is 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 a necessity for me. So I really I found that with clients, you know, you could use a methodology where the client comes in and you're like, all right, we're doing your workout from last week and we're adding five pounds to every exercise or adding two reps to every exercise. Mm -hmm. And as much as that is necessary sometimes for beginners, Even for them, I find that you'll start to see such extreme psychological stagnancy doing that. People already have enough stagnancy in their life more than they probably should. Um, So I try to avoid that. So if I can still get them to progress without having them do the same thing, I probably will. Even if it's just changing their back, even if they're using machines and just changing a machine. Is it necessary? No. But is it going to avoid that stagnation that I think is a danger for anybody doing anything? Yeah. Yes. So whatever it takes to make sure that doesn't start to happen because when people come into their training session with you and they can expect or know exactly what they're going to be doing, they're going to start wondering why they're with you Yeah, and not that they, and if that's the point they're at, then maybe they shouldn't be and they should go do their own thing because they're developed enough. But my point is early on, I want them to be learning. I don't want to just be putting them through hard workouts. Right. I want them to be learning new things that they can apply themselves later on without me mm-hmm. every time. So if I can, once they get the basic things down, I want to make sure that I'm showing them new movements on a weekly basis, not just pushing them through the same ones. Once again, unless they have a competition or a game or something on the horizon and that their actual goal, right? But for the general populace, even people just coming in trying to get in shape, even the people who look you deer in the headlights and don't really seem to care, subconsciously they're going to appreciate variation because yeah. it's going to keep things spicy. It's going to keep things intriguing and not boring. Keeping
0: learning, yes, too.
1: keep them learning exactly yeah. and challenged mm-hmm. m- mentally and physically. Physical challenge is hard at first, and after a while, it's like yeah, this is challenging, but I want to be I want to be engaged.
0: Mm-hmm. I get you. Idea. So do you? Have much overlap in the way you train clients, or I don't know. I mean, I'm a, I'm one that always believes everything is very nuanced. Um, but also, it's it is good to have standards in the system. I mean, yeah. It's, I mean it's the reason like c- certain lifts are, are repeated because they, they work well you know it's like, right. the reason people do a lot of the same stuff because exactly. it, it does work exactly but also again not that everyone is going to you know not everyone's going to back squat not everyone's going to be able to you know hinge to a barbell deadlift or yeah, yeah. You've um, got
1: to change the implement sometimes, yeah. too. The, but, I think um, movement it, patterns remain the same. As far as methodology, does that vary much for you? Yeah, methodology does vary a lot for me, actually, more than it used to. There was a period of time about in the intermediate stage of my training. And, I mean, I'm just because I've been training people for eight years, and that's just because I've done a lot of it, mm-hmm. doesn't mean, I mean, you know, I'm, I still would never, if someone asked her, am I an expert? Absolutely not. My God, that's how you know I'm not, is if I say I am. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But... It's definitely changed over time for me. Initially, initially it was a lot of the same thing because I honestly didn't know very much. I knew enough to get general, basic people in basic shape, mm-hmm. but I didn't know that much. So I actually did a lot of the same things with a lot of different people, which I found to not be the best. Right. Then I learned some methodologies that I liked. And then that intermediate stage of training, say anywhere from four to six, five years, six years into training people, then I found myself doing some specific methodologies that I almost stuck to. And I found that some of my clientele flourished and others Did not, and that was because I wasn't malleable enough as a trainer, Mm. it's not their responsibility, they're a client, they're paying me for their goals. And now towards, and that's only relative to my years, in 20 years this will be my intermediate years, but for now we'll call these my advanced years, being that this is the current time. Um, And now I actually see myself there's so much variation from client to client now, only because I have the mental capacity and storage of information at this point and experience to look back on mm-hmm. to be able to not need as much of a methodology to succeed with different people. I can literally, yeah, there's basic things I stick to, and we could talk about that too long, but right. I can literally see somebody come in, see their general movement patterns, ask them their goals, quickly distinguish what they're really here for, and then we go from there. Yeah. And sometimes that isn't what they tell me either. You can tell within a session yeah. what they're really here for. And then I can make a combination of what they say they want and what I think they really want and move from there. Yeah. And um, then it becomes totally individual. I've rarely, I rarely, and everybody's different. I'm, I know guys I'm sure who are incredible trainers who repeat the same workout with plenty of people and have a lot of success. I rarely repeat the same workout with two of my clients. Okay. Um, it's also the same reason I just, I personally don't, I A few times in my life, but I don't take more than one person on at a time. I do not train two people at a time. I do not train three people at a time. And and honestly, I I, I never will. Um, Now, I never is a hard word to say, but in all likelihood, I will not train more than one person at a time because the nuance, you know, I always say yes, there are general truths, but then the specifics and the nuances are what make the spice of life Mm -hmm. and success in my mind. So I, I, the chances of me being able to take two people on and put them through the same workout and feel like I'm really doing them all the justice I could yeah, just wouldn't fly for me personally. Okay. Which is something I really got out of my CrossFit So you experience. don't
0: even leave that as an option and just explain no. to people like, look, like you know, it's if it's two on one it, you're not gonna get as much attention, you're not gonna be yes. as much, you just don't yes. even use it it the table. No.
1: Yes, take it's not on it's not on okay. the table. No. And I got that I've got that experience a lot. You know, I've I had some I dabbled in doing group training a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, Do I think it's really socially and psychologically stimulating? Absolutely. I think that's why it's so popular and people flock to it. I think that's why people flock to CrossFit. Yes. Um, And in my experience, what I saw a lot of, whether, you know, I was never a CrossFit coach, but whether it was in my CrossFit experience or whether it was teaching group classes or the few times I've taught, say, group training, um, I just saw too much poor biomechanics is what it really comes down to. The biomechanics, all this other stuff compared to biomechanics is irrelevant. Right. So I don't and, and now that could be different, you know, if you're somebody who's really into rotational movement versus somebody who's really into barbell straight lifts. But the biomechanics is what is coming out to our And
0: on any, any movement thing. though exactly. it
1: should look good. It needs to look good. And yeah. there's an inherent sense someone has, just like they do in other things in life, of aesthetic, clean Movement. Yes. And I think if I can really instill that in somebody, which takes one on one time, I'm manipulating them with my hands. I'm, you know, where there's a lot of talking going on, there's a lot of learning. Mm -hmm. Get the movements down and you'll get something out of your workouts. Going and sweating and doing all that kind of stuff and pushing hard in a group, sure, it may improve your general health. Absolutely. It's got a great psychological place. But as a trainer, I just, I can't look at that and see. 10 movements being done done wrong 10 different ways and no, I can't really do anything about it with the hour that these people yeah. are paying for. It just doesn't sit well with or
0: me. Or even worse, so I've, I think about this a lot and I don't think I ever want to be a strength and conditioning coach for a team necessarily.
1: Yeah, I've thought about I it I mean, too. I'm okay.
0: Yeah. I, I did some programming for UC Rugby, which was fun. But even then, like, what well, then I, I didn't even get to see them in the gym. And I don't know if that's better or worse because it was like, are these guys even executing what's going on? And then I can only imagine being that guy yeah. in a room with 30, 40 athletes and just seeing all of the Sloppiness that you're going to see, yeah. and just trying to—it's tough know. to handle. Yeah, you know? I can't. And there's, imagine. there
1: really is, and I, have thought about it a lot because there's, there's ultimately more bang for your buck as a trainer. You are going to make more money for your time invested mm-hmm. training groups of people, be that group oh, yeah. classes, group training, strength and conditioning for a school. You know, opening something like a box, even if it isn't has a no relation to CrossFit specifically. That's right. not my point. I was just using that as my personal example. Um, there's a lot more bang for your buck, but you know what else there is a lot of is is the quality deterioration. Yeah. And and I just, I can't handle it personally. I really want to see movements done well. If it takes me 20 minutes to get somebody to do the movement I want them to do well, then it'll take 20 minutes to do that. And they'll yes. come back and they'll be grateful for it. not. It's about the long game, right? Mm-hmm. We're not anybody who's coming to work out and thinks that they're going to achieve what they want in three months should probably just not come, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and then that sounds rough again, but it is what it is. You know, this is the long game. If you're not coming here to learn and then execute what you learn in an effective way, what are you coming? You're to? probably going to be disappointed. Yeah, and I don't want to disappoint anybody, really. You know, right. I don't want to disappoint myself as well, any, any more than that. So I found that that is my number one goal is whatever method I'm using, and I could go on all day, there's so much, it's almost a rabbit hole to go down these things. But whatever I'm doing, as long as the biomechanics of that individual person look good, which takes one-on-one time with me, I think, to find out, to, to, to make that happen, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what I'm going for. Mm-hmm. Good Basic biomechanics, learn how to move their body. And then I always tell people this. I say, hey, this is an appropriate squat. Can you change some variables here? Yes. Can you change the implement in 100 different ways? Yes. But, but this is a squat. There's a okay? general pattern. Yeah. Understand this. And you're golden.
0: And I mean, not everyone's will look identical. No, either.
1: absolutely not. And Isn't that's not why the one-on-one part. Yeah,
0: because, because you do this, find that out. Yes. You're like, oh, this is what... This is your this is squat. I should have mechanics. said it that. Yeah. This is your squat. Yeah, yeah, so I don't care squat. if you
1: put a kettlebell in front of you. Yeah, or some of the angle, angles and leverage is going to change. Yeah, but once again, that's the rabbit hole I can't even go down right now. But, yeah. you know, this is your squat. Now... Whether you use this implement, that implement, that machine, this is the way your body's going to generally move yes once again there's room for variation there's room for 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 change and deviation, but their squat is their squat, mm-hmm. and I just want to get that across to them, you know once they understand that then That person could go into a group class and get something out of it. Yes. But they have to learn their biomechanics first. Yeah. They have to learn their body and their movements before they go, sweat for an hour, and do a bunch of movements, however it takes to get this medicine ball from point A to point B. Yeah. With somebody who genuinely, it's not their fault, but genuinely doesn't have the time to, to, to correct them. Yeah. So that's all I was getting at there, yeah. So a lot of times people hear me talk about group training as if it's some, like, it's the devil. And it isn't. I've just had a lot of experiences where I'm like, man, you know, if I just wish these people would get a one-on-one, hey... How do I how do I move? Yeah. How do I how do I execute some basic movements? Does it need to be complex? No. Does it need to be excessive? No. But there are some basic things you can teach anybody that mm-hmm. they can then apply into group training on their own, et cetera. And then you gotta spend so much less time moving forward in one on one sessions with that same person.
0: Yeah. Explaining things. Yeah. No, I, I agree that, yeah. I think if you're just starting out and you don't know what you're doing, the group class is not the best route. Yeah. Um, but again, once once you do get that down, if, or if you really just naturally are body aware, like, like if you're an athlete, I mean, that's like practices yes. is, is essentially a group fitness class. And yes. you can get away with that more because you're generally dealing with a population who is just very body aware. Yeah. They wouldn't be you know, at least at the higher levels, especially, they wouldn't be there without that. Ability. Exactly. And that's a whole nother that's a different thing. Realm. Yeah, that's but another bag of cash, just, as I say, you know, Yeah. Tim, the accountant, and you're just trying to start getting yeah. into fitness, Yes. Yes. I don't think, I think you need the one-on-one first. And then, you know, after you get that expertise from, or, or not expertise, but just after you get that assessment from someone who that's their passion that's what they like to do so they're relatively good at it then you take it to your own level and do your thing exactly. with the group exactly exactly
1: i think that was worded the best way right there yeah and that goes back to that initial point we made in the be- i was making in the beginning though of of that natural athleticism back to that talent thing Yeah. i do get some people one on one sessions where they come in and they and these are people who you know don't have a current like huge physical pursuit they're doing they're not a 20 year old college athlete or something mm-hmm. they're they may have been in the past, but or they may be even younger than that, but some people do come in with no prior knowledge, and just by the gift of nature, I very guess. literally, they have good coordination and mechanics. Yeah. I don't pretend. I haven't done the studies to figure out how or why, but they do. Now, could those people benefit from just about anything you threw them into? Yes, and that's what I meant earlier. Is like some people, they're just leagues ahead for no given reason that I can figure out, yeah. <laughs> and, and they come in, and I say, hit a squat. And that person, I, had a, I recently had a guy, actually, that came in with no serious workout background at all and no athletic background. This guy was not playing sports in high school yeah. or, or even younger, as far as I'm aware. And the first day he comes in, he's never done a deadlift in his life. He weighs 160 pounds. And I said, well, we're going to work up to like a 7 today on a 1 to 10 scale. And with absolutely flawless form, he's repping out. Not flawless, but damn near. repping out 235, 245 pounds for reps on a deadlift. Day one. Day one, five, (laughs) six reps. And I stopped him early and stopped him at a seven. I didn't have to even, I didn't, I showed him how to do it one time. I didn't touch his body once to manipulate him. And there are examples like that, Mm -hmm. you know, and I wasn't even that example myself And I've been doing this, you know, so it's amazing how much their variation there is with people. But if we're going to be general, I think I'm sticking to that statement of, you know, I want people to learn those biomechanics, then worry about implements and programming.
0: Right. No, it's and it's the same process. It's just often the that first part's a lot quicker because you're like, oh, you yes. got it. We're good. Yeah, okay, and fine. I always say you that to you. Still check us. it, but you're yeah. just like, hey, I'm not worried about anything. Yeah, we to the clients right that away. don't
1: have that inherent coordination or that ability to understand demonstration and then just re- apply it based on seeing it once. To the ones who don't have that, I don't say a word. We just keep moving on for through, pro- through their programming, making it happen. To the ones that do have it, I'm like, hey, man, you just saved me so much time compared yeah. to what I'm You're used like, to. You. Congratulations. Yeah, I'm so grateful for your, yeah. for your inherent ability. <laughs> Congratulations. And I always want to make them know that because it's worthwhile to tell them. Like, it's, it's rare. It really is.
0: Probably becoming more rare, actually. <laughs> yeah, this is true. Um, do you have any like special cases or any like clients or just experiences training that really stand out that kind of reaffirmed that you want to do it or or just that mean a lot to you or anything like that? Oh
1: yeah, oh without a doubt there are any, people that stand out over the years. Any
0: I, one or two that you care to share more God, specifically? Yeah. Or?
1: Absolutely, there's a couple that, that do stand out over the years. There's I don't I won't say any specific names cuz yeah, I haven't asked the permission to obviously feel, but there's but. there's a couple people over the years that some of them are still with me I mean there's and you know who I'm talking about here first person that comes to mind is a woman that's trained with me for four and a half years now mm-hmm. and um she came in at uh at 190 pounds had never worked out, had no athletic background and didn't know how to lift weight. She had done some Pilates and group fitness stuff in the past, but nothing serious. And she was, you know, in her late forties, or early fifties, I guess about 50 actually. And, and, uh, her dedication and willpower initially to, uh, to take that, to take the knowledge that I was giving her and apply it, not just hard workouts, mm-hmm. and see someone go from 190 pounds to 130 pounds, from no specific physical ability to a woman in her fifties doing 17 pull-ups. Yeah, like that's un- and not, not no no kipping here, exactly no kipping. Pull-ups. We're talking real <laughs> over overhand bodybuilding tempo pull-ups. Yeah. you know, we're talking a 300 pound deadlift with no interest in power build, in powerlifting. <laughs> that is an example of someone who came in with that tenacity they didn't come in in incredible shape or unbelievable natural coordination she came in and she came in to learn Mm -hmm. and then because she came in to learn she's actually still training me with me years later when she could be training people as well as i as probably as well as i do yeah and that's something that stands out to me and that gives me fills me up inside to think wow what a what a relationship I was actually able to build with that client like to that see
0: experience them meant that much flourish, that. and it still does she every week. Doesn't necessarily need it anymore, but she no, wants.
1: But she wants it because it holds yeah. that value to her. Looking yeah. back and saying, "Wow, you know, you, you helped me get to this point, and I don't get anybody anywhere. They get themselves
0: there. Yeah. I am the tool. Yes, the tool to enable that." Right, you're just there helping, you're helping them on, yeah. yeah, you're not there to tell them everything, what they should or no shouldn't way. do, you're just the guide that... So
1: she pops out, and you yeah. know who I'm talking about, yes. oh, no name, but you know who I'm talking about, and that, that, that's one that really does stand out to me, but over the years, there's been quite a few, there really has, and there's also been, not, not only clients and quotations, I mean, yeah, at some point or another, they might have helped me out or paid me for my advice, but also guys that I've, that have also been kind of um, apprentices, mm per se, um, whatever you want to call, whatever term you want to use for that. Um, But, but kind of following me, working out with me sometimes doing things like that guys that I've got to see now become incredible themselves and develop in so many more ways than physical. And that relationship I I had with them, building them up, Made me grow as much, if not more so, than them. Right? Okay, I mean, you yeah. te- If you're not learning, you're not teaching. Right. Um, oh yeah, yeah. That kind of idea. So there's been a lot of those guys that have really stood out to me. Um, but really, there's there's also a lot. Looking back, the biggest ones looking back also are um, the people who weren't necessarily athletes, but got into it and got into it enough to where they actually. Said, hey, I want to compete in, say, a physique show, mm-hmm. which I'll, I'll stand up the day as long. I, I'm not going to do it again, but I believe bodybuilding is the hardest sport on the planet. Um, oh, yeah. It's the hardest sport. I think it's so much harder than anything else MMA fighting, yeah. anything as that's far even as more the, dangerous. The preparedness
0: you the have to, have, the training that you that have it to do The discipline that
1: it takes to yeah. actually, and yeah, it becomes almost selfish discipline at times. But I've worked with people that have managed to do that and still maintain quality lives and quality relationships with everyone around them Mm -hmm. and gone from somebody who came in who wanted to get in decent shape to someone who has gotten on a stage against other people of that caliber and succeeded and to see the way that changes their sense of of self knowledge and self confidence mm-hmm. changes my sense of self knowledge and self confidence yeah. and those are some of the people that stand out most to me are the people who come in and say hey I've always wanted to just prove this to myself yeah. and that's the thing about the thing about bodybuilding Unless you're willing to take it very far for very long, you're not going to get anything out of that, especially if you're not a trainer or you're not in the fitness industry. not much money. You're not getting any money out of that, and the the trophy's kind of cool, but that doesn't matter. In the scheme
0: of things, it's not even that popular. No, exactly.
1: (laughs) And to be able to do that, to take on that hardest sport, that sport that doesn't leave you, it's like a monkey attached to your back. You don't get to go to practice or go hit the mats and then leave. And, you know, yeah, you have to keep some basic nutrition. But to think that every single bite of food you take, every drink of water, every hour of sleep, every minute of posing, all these extreme details culminating to to a period of cumulative period of time of 20 or 30 minutes on a stage yeah. is unfathomable. Yeah. And it's like if it weren't for the sake of hey, I'm just doing this to prove to myself that I can, it really would be kind of purposeless. <laughs> but yeah. but to see people get to that caliber Prove that to themselves has proven a lot to me in life about, about what we were saying earlier, doing impressive things for its own sake. Mm And that is an impressive thing to accomplish. You know, it's, it's reaching an ideal because that, that's why I do appreciate the aesthetics behind it so much is that that's an ideal, you know? Yeah. It's, there's no realistic reason for doing that. It's just for some kind of mysterious, uh, enigmatic, um, ideal pursuit, kind of like the reason the Greeks made statues of people that probably very much in reality almost never looked like that. Yeah, but to see human bodies achieve that is
0: so incredible. Well, I mean, look at in just just how big of a figure Arnold was. Yes, like yes, to, that's great the one example. That, again, like I said, bodybuilding itself isn't that popular. I mean, most people probably couldn't tell you anyone competing today. No, but if you asked most people. Over a certain age now, yeah. <laughs> uh, if they knew who he was, they oh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And he got there through bodybuilding, and, and that's, only bodybuilding yeah. got him there. Well, yeah, his character, it but it was bodybuilding that of that people saw yes. that what he did and to yeah. be that, like you said, that and looking back in the history of it all,
1: anybody. And I said this to somebody the other day, um, and I like I'm not some big proponent for body. I'm never going to do a bodybuilding show again in my life. But the point is that anybody who isn't able to recognize because the fitness industry and 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 physical fitness and strength has become so blown up compared to what it used to be mm-hmm. right um all the way, you know even to this point you know and I'm not, I'm not going down a negative road here but planet fitnesses would not exist if it weren't for meatheads lifting in dungeons in the oh, 70s oh yeah you know and sure they can even make commercials making fun of those guys those businesses wouldn't exist without guys like Lou Ferrigno and Arnold Schwarzenegger getting pumped up for no other reason than that yeah absolutely. Being big old muscle heads yeah and what's incredible is that so much of the fitness industry doesn't realize that they only exist quite literally the single origin of what they do is those guys in that era of bodybuilding all the way back to guys like Eugene Sandow right in the late 19th century but that is the foundation of fitness. Guys, ultimately, whether they knew it or not before it was even competitive, bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. And then that has created the, that created the health club craze of the 80s mm-hmm. and, and the 90s. And now we have what we have today. Um, it's changed the way we look at athletics, the way we look at nutrition, all kinds of things. You know, we have all these nutrition fads out today, all these trends, all these things from vegan through carnivore, keto through fasting, all things that I've had interest in, all things that I think are going to come and pass. You know, what doesn't come and pass is the same way those guys reading in the 80s and the 70s to look that good. Mm-hmm. General balanced nutrition that is still the foundation of what I consider good nutrition. Yeah. Sure, is there room for nuance? Is there room for extremity? Absolutely. Will it last? No. No. Yeah. No, it'll come and go like like all the other extreme stuff does. What those guys were doing worked, and that's why they looked that way, and that's why people are still envying the way they looked all these years later. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's why Classic physique has even returned to the forefront because they remembered, wait a minute, this is what made fitness popular. I'm just pointing out, like, look at that. Why does he look like that in that? And in every anatomy chart you see, it's the same appearance. Yeah. The average human being doesn't look like that in no, an anatomy chart. But, <laughs> but it's an example of what those guys created. They created something almost mythological through their pursuit of an ideal that was temporary. Their bodies couldn't stay that long forever. Some of the greats are dead, like Franco Colombo, et cetera. Yeah. But the ideal they created in the moment, that was magical. You know, that was something else. That wasn't performance-based. It was seeking towards something higher Mm -hmm. for its own sake.
0: I mean, I would argue it still is performance. Yeah, performance. A different, absolutely yeah.
1: different. But it's a it's different. almost just like a. It's taking from the ethereal realm of the mind of what I could be mm-hmm. and just and bringing it reality. Down. Yes, like yeah. a sculpture, like Arnold talked about in Pumping Iron, like the way a sculpture makes a scope, You know, sculptor makes a sculpture. We do that with our bodies, and that's something that really intrigued me early on. Mm. And although I've left bodybuilding behind, it's something that will never leave me as a trainer the beauty of those statements, the, 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 the intangible aspect of, uh, of what it really, the foundations of bodybuilding are, even as I move towards things that are really more pragmatic and, and, and like cut and dry. Can I lift this weight? Can I run this fast? I love that stuff. I think it's, I mean, that's awesome. It's, it's my main pursuit now, but, uh, that'll always be my foundation individually is thinking back on those guys of like, wow. There's something in there, and it can't really be explained with words, but something I saw from what they achieved yeah. that uh, that was the spark that, that lit my fire as a trainer, and that's why I went back to why I think people need to recognize and give the credit where it's due that it is guys like that. It is that era that, that sparked what we call fitness today. Yeah. As much as now we see, you know, all these things about, and I'm not hating, but, you know, you know, stand on a BOSU ball upside down with oh, yeah, yeah. this kind of stuff, you can become the most incredible human being with a barbell and a pair of dumbbells. and
0: Or even without that. Yeah,
1: exactly, with your body, <laughs> well, yeah, really, you yeah. know, but... But to going back to that old school mentality, that old school aesthetic and it's like, you know, you see a lot of fancy stuff and fancy stuff is fun, just be willing to admit that you're doing it for its own sake, like we talked in that last podcast. Right. You know, you don't need a bosu ball to be able to have basic one legged balance, you yeah. know. Or whatever. I'm just I'm I guess I'm hating on the bosu ball right now. No,
0: you're good. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. I see what you're saying. Like you said, yeah, don't don't make it the excuse that it's it's for something other than for that. Sake. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, I mean again, nuanced everything. There are some times where a so the Boshi ball could be used for something. Yeah, exactly, like that, exactly, yeah. Yeah. yeah like I, yeah. I use I do use it for something that too. makes a lot me of sense that it, it has a purpose. Yeah. But uh,
1: I can tell you I've used it a few times to look cool too. But
0: yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely done it a few times just yeah. just for the sake of let me watch this, you know. Watch this, yeah, yeah watch this. Let me, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. But as with anything else. But uh, let's, before we wrap it up, let's just go ahead and what is the next step for Drake Eaton in his fitness pursuit? What kind of, what's your next goal? You said you've not probably going back to bodybuilding. You not competitively. Said, not I mean, competitively. I can bodybuild to the day, to the right. day I die. But, but yeah, not competitively. Competition. Yeah. Touched on that. You've done a lot of powerlifting. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, maybe more of that in the future, but what I is... might do meets in the future, but
1: I'm, I'm you know, and, 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 and but there's no money. There's no money in powerlifting. The, you know, yeah, there's some prestige. The point for powerlifting for me when I do meets is just to test the strength that I've developed mm-hmm. in the gym. I like yeah. training more than I like competing a thousand times over. Yeah. And I always will. Um, so any competitive things I do in the future are just for the sake of the experience. You know, I'm not trying to build my brand as a trainer anymore okay. in that way specifically. I mean, it's great if I do. You know, these are yeah. all cherries on top kind of thing. Really, all I, I'm looking to do is self-test, is, is, self-test. Is, is self-betterment for its own sake. You know, yeah. I want to reach for the stars Endlessly in my life from mm-hmm. the physical through the spiritual and and, and, in every, and everything in between I want to reach for the stars and in my own personal way my own unique way um, for me a lot of it comes down to Life is not just what I have done or what I am, but what I have it in me to become Okay, so that's why I come that's why I do these things. That's why I do a lot of things in life is that I look at every life for me. I'm a soul. I have a body you know And I'm going to use it to its fullest ability. I'm not going to own a sports car and and not, you know, occasionally, yeah, I'm not going to own a Jeep and not, you know, take it off road road or or own a truck and load up the bed, you know? And that's a weird analogy, but that's the way I look at it. You know, what I have, I have the responsibility to use, you know, the old, I think it was Aristotle, the old quote of what a shame for a man. To live a life and not see the beauty and potential with which his body is capable of, I, and I'm paraphrasing, that was far from the exact quote, but it always stuck with me. Okay, you know we have a responsibility to ourselves and to our future generations to be all we can be for its own sake. So we all have our personal taste and aesthetics that we develop. For me, it's strength, size, power, all the mm-hmm. things that are represented, um, that are I guess, you know, the truly. The truly masculine, whatever you want to say. But that's just my personal aesthetic. That's my personal pursuit. And all I want to do is take it to its utmost level for its own sake and enjoy every minute of it. Enjoy every day of that road until it ends and then do it again in the next life. (laughs) Simple as that. The endless circle of the endless circle, just like a day leads into the next day.
0: Yeah. And I notice you do a lot of a breadth of different styles because I've we lift heavy together. Yeah. I see you do the pilot together. We do you know, we had our sled competitions, yeah. things like that. Mace so. work now, Mace I've work, kind of incorporated yeah.
1: that. Yeah. Uh, I'll probably get into martial arts again. Okay. For, for the same purpose, you know. Do I need to be a champion? No, I'm not gonna compete. I just wanna do it. You know, it's the yeah. same reason I wanna climb mountains, the same reason I wanna camp in the woods without a tent or a sleeping bag, it's a challenge. Right. Yeah. It's a challenge and not because I'm caught up in like, you know, only experiencing challenges in life. I love comfort too. I love a good drink and a good laugh with my friends and I'm doing it for the exact same reason. I want to live life, my life to its utmost every day and not restrict my pursuits or my experiences based on any given getting caught up in anything really. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to get caught up in anything. I'm going to pursue all the things I want to pursue to their utmost. That's why I come back to the gym every day. That's what I want to see out of my my clients. What I really love doing is delving deep into their mind and figuring out What the imagination in them, what the child that still lives in the the, within them really wants to be or ever wanted to be, and then I want to lead them that direction physically. You know, I like to ask people who their favorite. Like, I really like asking people who's your favorite superhero. You know, or what's your favorite. You know, if there are people like me, what's your favorite? You know, hero or god or myth that you're into, or what's your favorite. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if there are people who play video games, I'll delve into that and try to bring them away from the video game and into themselves and take what they like about those video games and make it a part of their own life. Well, I think you can be why that. That's
0: people like those types yes. of things too. They that's want why. to
1: vicariously experience it, but what they forget is that they can actually you experience can. it. Yeah. And that's what pushed me into a lot of what I do. I played things. I didn't play a lot of video games. I played a little bit, but I read a lot of books. I saw a lot of movies when I was younger and stuff like that. And I always had this, my soul knew what it wanted. It knew what it liked. Uh-huh. And one day I realized, well, I could just do it. You know, you you could either play video games or whatever of a guy who can, you know, jump jump six feet in the air and you know do all these kinds of impressive things and look this way and etc. Or you can do it, and I do that in other things in life. I can watch movies of of cool, impressive it's the stuff I like, like shooting bows and yeah. you know. Or I could just go get a bow and learn how to shoot a bow and and then Make skip skip the yourself. vicarious aspect and and then hopefully. Let that fire burn in other people's hearts and it's not my fire is theirs But yeah. seeing me burn my own fire as brightly as possible pursuing what I love the most in life hopefully Ideally will do the same thing in other people be they clients friends or people who even see me from a distance and that's one reason I even do take advantage of social media is just really uh, Reminding people that, hey, you know, I understand there's things we need to do in life, whether that's a nine to five or a kid or whatever you've got, that you've got to handle your responsibilities. But outside of that, and even during that, who do you want to be and and what's holding you back from being that? Yeah. Nothing. Nothing but yourself. Nothing Nothing can hold you down but yourself. So why not do it? Balls of the wall all the time. There's no other reason. There's nothing else to do. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. we're, we're, you know, we're all going to come and pass like dust in the wind. You might as well look, you know, well, look pretty. That's not what I mean by that. But you might as well make that dust in the wind, you know, have, have the light shine through it. You know, yeah. make, make your soul light up your life and become what you want to become, whatever that is. That's, that's why I do what I do. And that's, what, that's, that's the foundation behind what I do. And that's why I like to learn my clients. So I can see what they really want to become and not just, well, my doctor says I should become healthier. It's like, well, you've got something more in you than that. Where's the fire? Because I want
0: to stoke that up and get it burning bright. And that's what I'm trying to do for myself. Right on, brother. Well, I appreciate your time again, folks. There you have it. A little bit insight to the training perspectives of Drake Eaton. Uh, Why don't you go ahead and tell people how to find you. Well,
1: you can find me. Um, well, I train, I train at a Paramount Fitness Center in the west side of Cincinnati. Um, I am here six, seven days a week. Um, you can find me on Instagram as 21st Century Viking and uh, reach out to me through there via direct message or on Facebook. My name is Drake Eaton. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm out here. Hopefully, you won't even have to reach out to me. You'll just see me out there doing something.
0: Well, there you go, folks, and you know where to find me, Adaptive Training Principles, on Instagram and over at Cincinnati Functional Fitness on uh, Oakley, Ohio. Uh, Thank you for tuning in again. Hopefully get some more of these episodes cranking out here soon. Bye now.